All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are talking about the fifth baptism. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, just to to recap uh, what we talked about last week so we get ourselves on the right footing here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. To me, this is a very clear statement about what this baptism is because it answers all three questions that we ask when it comes to baptisms in the Bible. Who is doing the baptizing? Who is being baptized? And into what are they baptized? And that, all three questions are answered right at the beginning of this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, For by one Spirit... Capital S, that's the Holy Spirit of God. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been all, have been all made to drink into one Spirit. I have glasses. All right, so the baptism by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ, into one body, is the baptism we are talking about now. Does everybody see that in that passage? Because if I move on without your understanding of that, we will be in dire trouble. So we we see that the Spirit of God takes the believer, we all, Paul includes himself with that church, and takes the believer and puts them into a body that is neither Jew nor Gentile, but a new thing, which we should know from our memory verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 32, give none offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. There's your third entity, the body of Christ. So by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, all right? So there's our baptism um, that we're talking about, the fifth baptism, the baptism by the Spirit of God, okay? It's distinct from the baptism um, with the Holy, Holy Ghost, okay? A little different there. I don't have time to go back into that. Now, I mentioned last week near the end that um, one of the best ways to identify this baptism in Scripture, we talked about how some certain religions and uh, beliefs misapply, misinterpret this baptism and call it water baptism. How do we know if this is talking about the baptism of the Spirit? If you look at, your, at the Scripture, when you, read, when you see baptism, number one, ask yourself the three questions. Who is doing it to who and to what? All right? um, when it's not clear who is doing who and to what, and it just says baptism, we look at, look at, look at the passage. If The baptism being spoken of credits the believer with something. If it gives the believer some, it credits them with something, you are talking about the baptism by the Spirit of God into Christ, okay? And we'll we'll see that today as we go into the passages. So like I said in the bottom of your page two there, that we're going to start dealing with the different passages that talk about this baptism and try to break them down and uh, teach how we know that it's the baptism by the Spirit of God and what it teaches us, what we learned through that baptism, okay? Any questions so far? All right, Galatians chapter 3. We're on the last page of your notes there, of your outline. Letter B. Galatians chapter 3. Now, to me, this is exciting stuff because it starts opening up to me an understanding of what happened when I got saved and what happened when you got saved, if you're saved, if you're born again. Um, it teaches us a lot about it. And if we rightly divide the scriptures and leave the words as they stand and trust that the Bible is accurate in every word, every facet of it, 
And when we do that, you start seeing the Bible come together in a way that you'll never see it in any other way. If we start trying to manipulate the words to make it fit our understanding of things rather than let the Bible correct our understanding, you will make the biggest mess of your Bible you've ever seen. All right, you've got to let the words stand, you've got to understand how the scriptures define those words, and you've got to rightly divide those things into their proper places, like this baptism, not, use, not saying this baptism is some other baptism, not saying the baptism by the Spirit of God is water baptism, all right, and uh, if, you, if, you, if we start doing those kind of things, we'll really, you, you, will, you will make the biggest mess of understanding the Bible, and, uh, but if you don't, you'll see your Bible open up to you like you've never seen it. So, all right, so let's look at Galatians chapter 3, and let's start in verse 22. All right, um, yeah, let's start in verse 22. All right, <clears throat> verse 22, Galatians chapter 3 says, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came... We were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as, excuse me, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right, you see the baptism there in verse 27. All right, what do we do with that one? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, two of the three questions that we ask can be answered by that verse. You know, when I'm going to give a stab at which two can be answered, we, always, we ask, who is doing the baptizing, to whom, into what? Which, which of those two can we answer by that verse 27? Into Christ, there's one of them. The question is, who's being baptized and, to, and who is doing the baptizing is the remaining two questions. Which one of those can be answered? Who is being baptized? Look at, look, at, look at it says, For as many of you as have been baptized. Who's the you? Look right back at verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. All right, so the two questions that can be answered by verse 27 are, Who is being baptized and into what? It tells us right then in the context that it's the children of God, which, by the way, is, is, is attained by faith in Christ Jesus, okay? You know, the, the, the world and, 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 you know, secular religion and, and all these things like to say, well, we're all children of God. No, we are not, okay? That, that sounds really good, and it, it pacifies a lot of people and allows them to stay in their sins and die and go to hell. We are all children of God, how? By faith in Christ Jesus, if you don't have faith in Christ Jesus, believing the gospel, you are not a child of God. The Bible clearly says that we were of our father, the devil. We were children of wrath. Okay, I don't want to get off on that, but that's the point. So the, the, the context is the children of God. That is who is being baptized into Christ. So right there, that should be fairly obvious that we're not talking about any other baptism, but the baptism into the body of Christ. 
It's a spiritual thing. But let's just look, let's look at the whole context. Okay, did you notice in those few verses we read how often faith is mentioned? Faith, all right? Let's look at this. Let's go back to the very beginning of the chapter. I, I am not going to rush this. I'm going to take my time, and if we don't finish this page, fine, because I want to make this very clear. All right, faith. This is the problem with the Galatians. People were coming in and telling them that they needed to keep the law. And Paul has to set them straight of what the law's purpose was. All right, is it right to keep the law? Yes. Does it credit you with anything? Let's look and see, okay? Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. What did Paul say? I set before you who? Christ. I didn't set before you the law. I set before you Christ crucified. Verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Which one is it? By the hearing of faith. How did you receive the Spirit? Look at the things that the law cannot give you that faith gives you. <clears throat> the works of the law cannot give you the Spirit of God. It's the faith that gives you the Spirit of God, all right? Verse 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? What is he talking about perfect by the flesh? That's the works. Works are things you do in the flesh. Works of the law are, are things done in the flesh. I keep the Sabbath, I get circumcised, I, do, you know, I eat the right foods, I wear the right clothes, I do the right sacrifices, all those, all those things are works of the flesh. Having begun in the Spirit, how did you get saved? He just says in verse, verse 2, how did you receive the Spirit? By faith. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? The answer is, no, of course not. You're made perfect by the Spirit of God, which you retain by faith. So, you can't be made perfect we talked about being perfect in a couple lessons ago. Um, you can't be made perfect by the works of the law or by the flesh. Verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? All right, now at this time we're still dealing with apostolic gifts and there's some miracles happening, but there's also power that we have by the Spirit of God. Is that obtained by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Is the power of the Spirit obtained by working the law or by faith? By faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. We'll just keep reading through here. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee, all, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now look at this. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So he says, if you want to be under the law, okay. You're under the law, you're under a curse. Why does he say that? Because you can't keep the whole law. You, 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 I, you know, I hear it all the time when I'm trying to witness. I'm trying to do the best I can. I just keep the, I keep the world law, I keep the Ten Commandments, whatever the case is. Have you broken any of them? Well, yeah. God says you're under a curse. 
Because God is not like you and me. We try to make God in our own image, and his holiness is like us. You know, I do the best I can. God doesn't do the best he can. He's absolutely, perfectly holy. There is no sin in him, no unrighteousness in him. So when we sin one time, it puts us under a curse because we are now different from God in our holiness. We are unholy. And the works of the law can't do anything for us except put us under a curse. All right? And then look, he just piles it on in verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident. For the just shall live by faith. He's quoting Habakkuk 2.4 there. The just shall live by faith. So another thing the law can't do for you. It can't justify you. No man is justified by the, work, by the works of the law in the sight of God. Now, you can be justified in the sight of men by the works of the law. You can do a pretty good job, and men will say, hey, that's a good man, and they will be right. But in the sight of God, nuh-uh. You're not going to be justified. I'm not going to be justified by the works of the law. So I can't. So the works of the law, they can't give me the Spirit of God. They can't work the work, works of the Spirit. They can't perfect the saint. They can't justify a sinner. Look at this in verse 12. <clears throat> and the law is not of faith. <clears throat> The law is, it's not a faith thing. You do it or you don't. The law is not a faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. You want to live under the law? You got to do all of it. Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Thank God. Whew. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip down to verse 21, the verse right before that we read this section here. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. No, the, the law doesn't undo the promises of God. God gave the law. God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Here's the other thing the law can't do. Can't give you life. Can't give me life. What gives me life? We just taught, and he goes right into that. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ. The law can't give you life, but faith can. All right, so why did I, why did I go through all of that? The law can't, can't, it can't, can't give you the Spirit, it can't perfect the saint, it can't perform the works of the Spirit, it can't justify the sinner, and it can't give life, but what it can do is put you and I under a curse. So here's my statement, point three is, therefore, how could this baptism that he ends up talking about be a work of the flesh? If you go in a tank and get baptized, that is a physical work. The, the works can't do any of this stuff for you. How could this baptism be a work done by us in the flesh rather than a work done by the Spirit of God by faith? That's this baptism. Now, it should be pretty evident because you're baptized into Christ. I don't put myself into Christ. That's the Spirit of God that can do that. So... So this, this baptism, again, is not a water baptism. It's a baptism by the Spirit of God into Christ that gives us the Spirit of God, that helps us perfect the saint. It helps us perform the works of the Spirit. It justifies us, and it gives us life. Do you see that? Have I lost anybody yet? Seriously, don't, do not let me go on if you don't understand what I'm talking about. Does anybody not clear about what we're talking about? We're good? Jeff, ask me a question. Come on, man. <laughs>
So without spending the time explaining that, I'll tell you right now, if you have faith, works are going to show up. Yeah. So if you have faith, works are going to show up. All right? It's your, your faith. You say, I have faith. He says in that same passage, a man may say, I have faith. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show you thy faith by my, my faith by my works. It, you, will, you can say all you want, I have faith in Christ. If you do, it'll be evident. All right? And there's also some other doctrinal issues that I cannot deal with or else we'll be done for the day. <laughs> so, but that's generally what we're talking about there, okay? Uh, all right, so that's, this is, this, does anybody not see this is a spiritual baptism? It's not a physical baptism. All right, so what does it do for us? If you look at verses um, 7 through 9 again, it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen is anybody in here Jewish blood? Uh, Jewish? Anybody in here Jewish? Okay, so we're all heathen, okay? <laughs> all right? Uh, that's what we are. We're Gentiles, all right? So the scripture see, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. This baptism... Um, uh, look, at, look at verse 29. As he ends it up, um, he says, As many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, verse 27. There's neither Jew nor Greek, verse 28, verse 29. And if ye be Christ, well, how, did you be, how, how are you Christ? By faith in Christ Jesus, by that baptism, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay? Be very careful. This does not make you a physical child of Abraham. This is a child... Um, the, a spirit, we can say spiritual child, the faith, they have the same faith as Abraham had. And it gives you the same blessings, okay? Not the physical blessings that the nation has, all right? What was, what was the blessing Abraham had? He was justified. He was declared righteous by, because he believed God. Yes, Tim. Okay, you're, you, just, you just hit a, a major road bump, but I'm going to touch on it. I hope I don't make things more confusing. Um, <clears throat> look at verse 16. This will tell you which seed he's talking about. Now, Paul is pulling something out of the Old Testament that God did specifically say to Abraham and did partially apply to his physical seed. Okay? We are not taking away the promises given to Abraham's physical seed. But on top of that promise, look at this verse 16. Now, to Abraham... And his seed were the promises made. Look at what Paul says. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one. You see, seed is singular. He doesn't say as to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, Paul clarifies through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which is Christ. So when he's talking about this seed, he's talking about Christ. He's not talking about, although, here's the, here's the confusing thing. Christ is the physical seed of Abraham, but we're also talking about a spiritual seed. You'll see, oh boy, you'll see this over in 1 John. <sighs> no, well, you'll, see, you'll see this in 1 John chapter 3 that talks about his seed remain within him. It's Christ, all right? Can't do, I can't do it today. Cannot do that today. <laughs> yep. 
But he's saying that, that's, what he's saying is, he saith not antecedes. He's saying, I'm not talking about all the plurality of his offspring. The word is, when he, when he makes the promise to Abraham, he says, to thy seed. And Paul clarifies and says, that seed is Christ. And which, what does this baptism put you into? Christ. And you therefore become part of that seed. Do you see how that is credited to you and I? What do we say about this baptism? How do we identify it? If it credits us with something. All right? And that's not the only thing it credits us. So because it puts us into Christ, it puts us into Abraham's seed. Not the physical seed, but the spiritual seed. All right? And it credits us with that. And then if you, if you look at verse 29, it says, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, because you're put into Christ, and heirs according to the promise. You have certain promises and blessings obtained through Abraham because of being, having been baptized. And then uh, as I was reviewing this this morning, I, I, I saw another one that I totally w- passed by. I don't know how I did this. Not in your notes, but look back at verse 27. So this baptism credits you, it connects you through Christ to the blessings obtained through Abraham. All right? Um, that does not make you a physical Jew, and it does not give you right to the land and all those other physical promises. What it does is it gives you spiritual promises through the faith of Abraham and through Christ. All right, look at verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, all right, that's a done deal, have been baptized into Christ, so you got put into Christ, you, you trusted the gospel, and you're put into Christ. He says, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You know, I, 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 I glossed right over it the first time. Okay, you're put into Christ. What you, if you get put into Christ, you were clothed also with Christ. What is that, what is that talking about? Look at, look at, well, okay, before we look at it, you put on Christ like a garment, okay? Similar, think about, think about um, how, when you put on Christ, you put on his mind, you put on his behavior, you put on his words, all right? You put on those, those kind of things. It's credited to you. You get what is in Christ, you get it. Now, here's the thing about this one. You already baptized and you put on Christ. Look at Romans 13. Remember when we were talking about all the benefits of, of being in Christ and some of those things are voluntary? We have a choice whether or not to access those things or use those things. This is one of those things. We can choose whether or not to put on Christ. Now, because you're baptized, you have the ability to put on Christ. Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You can have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 18, is it 16? Paul says, you know, previously he says, The natural man receiveth not the spirit of things, spirit, things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned, and later on he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Well, how do you have the mind of Christ? We put on Christ. Verse uh, 14 of Romans 13. Verse, verse 12. Verse 11. <laughs> verse, this is all good stuff. Verse 11, yeah. Verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Look at this. He's going to contrast this. Let us cast off the work of dark, works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but in opposition to all those things, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. You can put on every characteristic of Christ if you want to. You have his mind right here. You have the Holy Spirit of God inside you to help you walk and live like Jesus Christ and not do these things in verse 12 and 13. But it's voluntary. So the, by virtue of the fact that you were baptized into Christ, you have the ability, and I have the ability every day to wake up and say, I'm going to put on Christ. Or I'm going to stay spiritually asleep and live in rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness and, and in the works of the flesh. That's my choice. We have access to all of it. Do we use it? All right, so you see, we have, by this baptism in Galatians chapter 3, we have, uh, we are made Christ's seed, Abraham's seed through Christ. We have the blessings, those spiritual blessings through uh, being in Christ, through Abraham. And we have the ability to put on Christ. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You know, when you first got saved, when you first got saved, it was like everything changed. And you, were, you would do anything for Christ. If he told you to stand on your head and spit jelly beans, you'd do it because you just wanted to please God. And after a while, we get tired of putting on Christ and we kind of one day leave him there and two days leave him there and we, we start losing that fervor and we start losing that zeal and we start losing that desire because it's, a, it's our own choice to put on Christ or not. You're still in Christ. You're still in him. You're never going to lose that salvation, but you have a choice whether to avail yourself. I have a choice whether to avail myself of those benefits and strengths and power that's in Christ. Put them on or don't. Your choice. But if you want to not fulfill the lust of the flesh, if I want to not fulfill the lust of the flesh, I've got to put on Christ. All right? So that's, a, that's a, something that's credited to us. All right? And by the way, we, we've kind of glossed over it, but you're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That's another credit to you. By the, by, the, by the baptism into Christ, you now become a child of God. There's another thing credited to you, all right? This baptism, these things, see the things it gives you, all right? It makes you a child of God. It gives you blessings through Abraham. It gives you access to the mind and the power and the, the, the holiness and, the, and the, the, the thoughts and behavior of Christ, all right? Any questions on that? Oh, man. All right. All right. Second point, letter C, Colossians chapter 2. Oh, we are not going to get through this. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, yes. How's that, brother? <laughs> Colossians chapter 2. Look, folks, the, the gospel is simple, and simple enough that a child can understand it and believe it and be saved. But look, we've got to get past the Sunday school, children's Sunday school mentality of salvation. It's time to grow up. It, it, we need to understand what we have in Christ, the, the power that we have access to, and start living like God intended us to in victory and not in defeat constantly. 
And I say that right back to myself, okay? Because every day it's a choice whether I put on Christ or not. Thank God for his mercies every day are new. Yep, that's it, man. All right, Colossians chapter 2. I, I'm going to go as long as I can, and then we'll, just, we'll try to stop it at a, a reasonable stopping point. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Okay, Colossians chapter 2. Since I know I'm not going to get very far with this, let's just start at the beginning of the chapter. Colossians 2, verse 1. Paul says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Paul's got a desire, and he's conflicted in his heart about some people there at Laodicea, some other people that haven't seen him for you, the Colossians. What's, the, what's part of the conflict, verse 2? That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. You know, kind of shades of 1 Corinthians, no divisions. And unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I think we touched on that in the last few weeks, about the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hid in Christ. Okay, in verse 4, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Do you know that the things people fall for are never because someone was threatening them or telling them something that was not palatable to them? You're deceived because someone tells you something you want to hear. You're deceived because I'm deceived because someone tells me something I like and I go after that thing. Beware, lest anyone should beguile you with enticing words. Verse 5, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit. Now, how, is Paul say, how does Paul say I'm with you? Anyone want to take a stab at that? What? Yeah, because they're, they're in Christ. They're in the same body. He's not there, but I'm with you. They're in the same body, okay? This goes right into what we're talking about. They're all baptized into the same body. I'm with you. He's not, I'm absent in the flesh, but I'm with you in the spirit, all right? Because they're all part of the body of Christ. Joying and beholding your order. And by the way, order is of God, okay? Do all things decently in order, 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. All right, look at the following... Look at the following verses that we read and watch the terms in him or in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You know what? You want, you want, to, you want to get spoiled? You know what spoiled is? Spoiled is when an army comes in, defeats a city, and takes all their stuff. Takes the wealth and the valuable things. They spoil the city. That's, if you look in the Old Testament, you see it over and over again. The, the Israelites spoiled the Egyptians when they came out of Egypt because they took all their wealth. The Bible says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, rudiments of the world. You want the best way to spoil a church? Go ahead, bring philosophy in here and start preaching philosophy and psychology from the pulpit. That'll do it. You want, you want to destroy this church? Bring in a bunch of traditions of men in here and teach them for doctrines. That'll do it. That'll spoil a church. You want to spoil the church? Bring in the rudiments of the world. Start trying to pattern a, a church service and church behavior after the things that the world does. 
and not after Christ. That'll spoil the church. That'll spoil a person, and that'll spoil the church. All right, verse 9, for in him, in Christ, there you go again, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which, by the way, is a strong deity verse that shows that Christ is God. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. First John 5, 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The whole Godhead, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, in, in Christ is all of that, the fullness of it. He is God. Don't give me this nonsense that Jesus Christ isn't God. If he's not God, he could have never saved you. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom, in Christ, there he goes again, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. All right, we're talking about a spiritual thing again. This is not a physical circumcision. This is a circumcision made without hands. What is it? In putting, off of, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. I'm going to stop right there for a second just to briefly talk about this spiritual circumcision. All right? Spiritual circumcision. The word circumcised means to cut around. God gave that physical sign to Abraham. He now says, ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. This is not a physical circumcision. What does he say it is? In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, what got cut away? According to this verse, what got cut away? The body of the sins of the flesh. You are three parts. What are they? Okay. Uh, Tim, give me that answer. Everybody's answering. Okay, those are all three. Let's, the, the scriptural order is spirit, soul, and body. Which one got cut away? The body. What's left? The spirit and soul got separated from the body of sins. Do you know why you have a, if you're saved, do you know why you have a fight every day? Because you got two parts of you inside of you that have been saved and justified and, and re renewed in Christ, made alive, born again, however you want to look at it, your spirit and soul. And while they're separated from this body, they're still attached to it. And you've got to fight every day with these two things. That's Romans 7. The things, Paul says, the things that I would, I do not. The things that I would not, that I do. And he fights every day. The Apostle Paul, the most spiritual Christian that there was, you know, that we can say. And he says, every day I fight with the flesh, trying not to do the things that are wrong and trying to do the things that are right. Why? Because he's got two parts in him, a spirit and a soul, that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, never to be lost, saved, but he's got a flesh that wants to do all the rotten, stinking things that it always wanted to do. And you have a fight. But the great thing about this is, you're not accounted for these things because your spirit and soul are saved. What does Paul say about a, a man who was corrupting a church in 1 Corinthians? He says, give him over to, the, to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of Christ. You and I got separated from this thing we are supposed to live subduing it. We are supposed to live in the power of the Spirit of God so we can walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. But it's still part of us. 
And that's, the circumcision is dividing that sinful part of you from the saved part of you. All right, so look at what he says. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Look at verse 12 and we'll be done. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. What's the operation? It's that circumcision. The operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. All right, and I'm going to left you guys, leave you guys hanging today, okay? All right, but that is the baptism that we're going to talk about, okay? And we're going to explain how that, how that is, all right? If you want to take a look at it this week, take a look at it. Look at what it says we're credited with, and you tell me which baptism it is, all right? All right, any last questions?